Well, hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so uh, it is, when is this now? I am recording this intro in first week of March, end of the first week of March. But um, this conversation I had about a week or two before, before this, yeah, end of February, late February. And uh, it's by a guy that it's been on this, who's been on this uh, podcast before, actually. You probably know him. You probably listen to his podcast, too. It is Nick Otto, and he is the host of the Huntivore podcast. Now, um, if you're not familiar with uh, Nick or his podcast, uh, they, he's, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a hunter, obviously, and he, um, his podcast focuses on food, basically, right? At the, at the very core level, um, they dive into everything. I mean, it could be, you know, very, very basic food to all the way up to, I don't know, uh, like really like high-end fancy stuff or things that you may not uh, consider as, as far as, um, uh, you, know, you know, typical preparations, things like that. He's got guests from all over uh, that, that run, you know, the entire spectrum, whether it's about deer, whether it's about waterfowl, uh, you know, what have you, right? So really cool podcast. I, I Definitely suggest you go go check him out and follow him if you don't already. If you're a foodie like me, uh, this is this is one of the podcasts that you need to follow. We had a great time uh, talking on, on here. I had him on here about a year or two ago, I believe, and we just nerded out over stuff. And you know, guys like guys like this and anything that can like nerd out over, I do. And the time just kind of like like flies by, right? So. This time I wanted to be a little more kind of focused on uh, certain aspects. There was um, uh, a recent podcast that he did where, or, or several that he's been doing actually recently, where uh, he's had guests on where they talk about trying to utilize kind of unloved uh, cuts, right? Things that aren't so popular and even some like organ meats and things like that, right? And it kind of got my, my, my wheel spinning. Like, you know, we really haven't, I don't know much about it other than, you know, hearts and livers. I love, I love uh, deer heart. Um, absolutely love it. It's just like any other meat really. Um, in fact, uh, it's kind of a tradition now that when I shoot a deer, then, uh, you know, get the heart and it's uh, deer heart fajitas, right? For some reason I settled on that and uh you know i like doing that but i haven't tried uh, deer liver but i am a liver fan i like liver f you know with uh you know for, for cow uh calf whatever um but we get into uh, discussions about like some some other preparations for uh, i don't want to call it awful right o-f-f-u-l right meaning like organ meat and stuff but we do touch on on some of that stuff actually you know what it is awful because we talk about liver we talk about kidneys uh we talk about um uh, oh man, we, 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 I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think here. Some of the other topics that we talked on, uh, touched on, but this isn't going to be your typical, like, Hey, how do we grind meat? How do we turn an entire deer into burger? Right. Which is fine if you want to do that. And if you want to, you know, have conversations about, uh, you know, backstrap and, and butterflying backstrap and bacon wrapped and all that stuff. Well, there, there's, there's other places where you can go and, and there's a thousand people you can listen to on that. That's great, fine and dandy, but I like some of the more flavor, flavorful meats. I love, uh, I love shank. I love shoulder, um, much more flavor. And we get to talking about that stuff, about why it is that way. And you know, what, what we as sportsmen are kind of, kind of leaving out in the field, um, versus some of the creative things that we can do with, uh, with, 
with some of these cuts of meat and, and bits of the animal that uh, typically some people might turn their nose at. I don't know, even some things I might turn my nose at. You know, I'm not I'm not quite there with with all of it yet. But um, yeah, we do have a really really good conversation. Nick is is very passionate about food. Um, he is uh, he is a sportsman through and through, and he's a foodie through and through. And hey, what better combo, right? So we geek out a little bit about that. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy this. I know it's kind of um, it's a time of season where you might have a bunch of stuff in the freezer, obviously from you know uh, from from the season's harvest. And you're like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the typical burger. I'm tired of the typical just, uh, you know, fillets or maybe all the fillets are gone. Maybe all the backstrap is gone and you're trying to figure out ways to do uh, other stuff or thinking you get your gears, um, thinking in your head about what you might want to do, uh, for next season. Um, you know, when you, uh, you know, when, when, when you get that other deer, when you get that next deer down or what have you. So anyway, Great conversation. Not really going to harp on it too much. My season for everything is over, right? I was never able to get back out uh, for small game. Again, we've been buried in snow. If you've been watching any of the um, YouTube uh, videos, I did a couple of videos. Uh, one with uh, the knives I've been talking talking to you about, those he, the Hiko Ito knives, right? Um, I will leave a link here in, uh, in the description, I believe. And then I'll obviously go check out the YouTube video. Uh, guy out of Hawaii, he's a custom knife maker. He sent me this knife to try out, and um, you know, of course, I'm, I really haven't been able to give it a full run for its money until like hunting season when I'm out in the field or whatever. But I did do an initial review on that one, and um, there are uh, you know links below if you want to go, uh, go go check those out and go check out what he's got and um, you know be beautiful craftsmanship. So uh, check that stuff out. I do a video, a kind of an updated video on the St. Patrick Lake Longbow. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to put it put out stuff, but if you watched any of those, I am in knee deep snow. And uh, some of it had melted, and then like just this morning, we got another like five, six inches of heavy, heavy wet snow. I'm recording this on uh, March 6th. So anyway, but it's over for me as far as that goes. I'm waiting for turkey season, and quite honestly, I'm really, really kind of wondering what turkey season is going to hold because, again, a lot of places I go, I guarantee you are going to be underwater, uh, flooded out, and um, especially this year, man, it's going to be – it's going to be uh, – I don't think we're going to have – Many of the places I go, I don't think it's going to be dried out until like like late summer, right? So, but it is what it is. So that's Mother Nature. If I'm going to try and get out, I'm going to try and get out. If not, well, it's not the end of the world. So, um, hope your guys' spring is going good. I know some of you guys, if you live down south in southern states, uh, you know some spring type stuff is already starting to pop up. I've I've seen uh, I saw uh, what's his name, a cat man, right? He uh, he just posted something about morels in Tennessee. I'm like, man, that's uh, I think Tennessee. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, so spring is definitely around the corner. Not so much. It's still like completely white winter wonderland out, outside for uh, for me here. But um, I'm gonna hold on to it as long as I can because well, you know, summer sucks. Anyway, so I've babbled on long enough. Don't really have much other uh, important stuff to contribute here other than uh, thanks, uh, Nick, for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, also, working my way through the uh, Push Archery Center of Knowledge courses. This, this uh, podcast is partially brought to you by the pack. And um, I jumped right into that uh, uh, precision tuning for the for the bow hunter course. Good stuff in there. I'm only about a third of the way through that one, but it's a lot, a lot of good information. And I'm, you know, if you, if you geek out over tuning and setup and all that stuff, then this is the course for you. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm hopefully going to get that done in the next couple of weeks here and uh, give, you know, a, a 
uh, more full review. Again, I'll leave a link in the description below. Go check that stuff out. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than that, uh, I guess we can just get right into it. Here is my interview with Nick Otto of Huntivore. It says you are with Emra is recording the call. Fantastic. Um, it's, it's not saying that on my end just yet, but that's that's nothing new. There we go. Now it's now it's going. So, um, all right. So, I'm just gonna jump into it. Nick Otto. It's been uh, how long? How long has it been since you were on? Like a year and a half, maybe. I, long a time. I tell you, when when COVID happened or at least like on like when COVID was then over, there's a whole segment where it felt like I have just this fog of what even happened and, and what timetable was my wife and I were actually talking about like, there's the new modern uh, BC and uh, AD as in yeah. the modern before COVID. Like that's the <laughs> new like timeline. Like when did we last do that? All right. Yeah. Yeah. That was BC. That was before COVID. And here we now living in AD, which would be like after that. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, but after COVID. Oh man. So good. To I don't be know. Through Pre- with pretty that. soon. It's going to be a pop apocalyptic is what it's going to be with, with the way things are going in the world, I think, but let's hope it doesn't get there. <laughs> on wood. Oh my good goodness. Lord. Yeah. So Nick, you are the host of the hunt of war podcast, right? Absolutely. Um, part yeah, of the uh, uh, sportsman's empire now, right? Not sportsman, sportsman's empire now. Yeah, we did a we did a name change uh, probably a year ago. It's now the uh, the sportsman's empire, made up of individuals who I mean, shoot, they're just like you and I. We got nine to five jobs, we got responsibilities, we got kids, but we have just an amazing passion for the outdoors, an amazing passion chasing and pursuing wild game and from that we've just taken it one step further and hey wanted to share our experiences so it's been super cool to get to know that whole crew um that has been put together there's a ton of great hosts on there ton of great shows and yeah so since doing that it's just been wonderful to connect with people even just through shoot social media through the podcast it's just been so wonderful to share about what we do with our wild game. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, you can go simple, basic, you know, you can throw a backstrap on the grill to where you can elevate it and really have a showstopper there. Uh, and I feel like that's an amazing way to celebrate our, our tradition as anglers, as sportsmen, to be able to take what we got in the field. It's beautiful in the field. It's epic. It's, just picturesque and then to be able to bring that again and just when you serve something that you harvested like it's almost still like it's got this living aura around it you're so awesome to share it and and immediately the story comes up when you serve that dish so that's what my podcast is all about it's uh, about trying to just use and share what we've harvested and give it the utmost respect that we can yeah um and you have quite a you know just over the years here i mean you've had, you have quite a, a selection of of really talented uh people right um that are uh, some of them are new some of them are new to hunting some of them are new to butchering and processing and stuff um and some of them are like world-renowned 
chefs like uh, Simon Majumdar. I was so jealous that you got him on, you know, uh, for <laughs> like, uh, several several episodes back. I'm like, holy crap, he's actually like talking to like a big league guy. Now, people listening who, who may not know who the hell is Simon Majumdar, but if you're a foodie, you know the guy, you know the guy's name. And I was pretty, I was pretty, that was a great episode. Well, good. Thank you. Thank you. I tell you, it's, uh, it, it was, it's one of those things just like bow hunting. You practice, you hone your skill, and there's a point where you pull back and you just have to send it. And I did that. I just wrote a, actually it was a, it was a DM on Instagram. I just wrote a DM. It was one of those days I felt confident. I felt like, hey, you know what? It's one of those, I can come across annoying, I guess, if I just keep on just these cold calls and they're to, to major people. And I tell you what, Simon is one of the most down-to-earth people that I have ever had a chance to have a conversation with. He is, I mean, he is world-renowned as his knowledge, his just of of culinary experiences worldwide. And so to just pick his brain about even one subject, it, I was just blown away. I was just making sure, I was trying not to go fanboy. I was really trying to keep <laughs> myself composed. Um but even when I get, got on to, hey, a little game that I played was let's talk about a pot roast and let's let's talk about that. It's it's already a good dish. Here's what I'm going to do to make it better. And so I added my critique or my my little quirks and I added my little uh, here's one thing to elevate something. And then he took that and I and then I offered it to him. I said, now I want you to make it the best. And he was able to give me real world tips and tricks that I can do with just a simple pot roast, a simple Midwest pot roast that people enjoy on a Sunday and just take that to the next level. Um, and I can't remember what one. that, I remember listening to that and I'm like, yeah. holy crap. And how, how are you going to elevate pot? And, and reclue me in here again? Cause I remember listening, listening to that and I'm thinking, wow, I never would have thought that. So I did from like, uh, uh, you know, with the pot roast, I had my, uh, you know, medley of vegetables that go in, um, parsnips was my, what am I adding? Well, like one of my like special tricks and you put those in the last 20 minutes because they do get super soft, super fast. Mm -hmm. And as I finished laying out what I was going to do, I, I handed it over to Simon. He said, now here's what, here's what I want you to do is hold back your vegetables that you normally would put with those and roast those separately. Oh. As in, put those on the side, get, get your carrots, get your potatoes, quarter them up, um, salt and pepper, whatever you want to put on those, roast those separately. And then all the finely diced vegetables that you put in, or at least the vegetables that you are going to put in, finely dice those. And remove your meat, let that rest off to the side, and take an immersion blender and blend all those little bits that are still in there into just this velvety rich sauce. So instead of just kind of like having an au jus, it became almost like a, a thinner gravy, but with, but just with the flavor of everything that you put in there. And so I pulled out my meat, hit that with the immersion blender, put the meat back in. So it just got a slather all over the place, pulled out the roasted vegetables that still had a little bit of crunch to them. So I had my potatoes, I had my parsnips, I had my carrots, put those on, put on the, uh, the meat right next to it and just ladled on that sauce. And I tell you what, I will not do 
a pot roast without having an immersion blender right there <laughs> next to me to just to just stir that up because man oh man it just took all the flavors that i was hoping for and desired for and it just i mean i tell you what it, you got everything in one mouth bite and it was just absolutely incredible so yeah that's your hot tip for right now not from me but from simon majumnar himself immersion blender all of your juices the meat yeah the meat juices the fat all those veggies that are in there from your stock whip that up and then put that on your meat and mm, that's just going to take it way to the top wait yeah it, it was uh it was, it was quite a revelation but um <clears throat> so as, as far as um like you and i aren't professionals right we just have this like love of cooking um it seems like and you know you you well your family still owns i believe right it's a uh it's a turkey farm correct absolutely yeah we're yeah. going on it was it's actually my brother now is president he uh he bought out my father and so yeah we've we've got an exchange now it is on to the sixth generation at least the, no the kidding the family farm yeah we are on generation six and yeah things are going very well uh people are concerned about where their meat comes from and when we've been able to offer from growing the bird to processing it in-house and to be able to have a retail side out front it has just made us a a super niche market here in michigan and i tell you what people are really responding well to that so yeah my brother's taking that over uh, my father did the same thing that my grandfather did is that he uh, he signed the paper and he said, OK, I'm retired. I guess I'll see you Monday. I'll have coffee going. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a lifestyle for him. And he's just he can't he's doing more, which is good. They're actually going on vacation as we speak. Um, my mom said two weeks. I bet you they make it a week. He's going to he just has you a draw. Be at work. Yeah, he has a draw back to this place. It it consumes him, but at the same time, this this is his happy place, or the farm is his happy place. So, I I could see him staying away for a week, but two weeks is going to be hard for him. So does um, it, 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 does turkey season kind of like is it is it like does it ruin it for you, or are you able to just completely separate it from like business versus like like wild wild turkey you know pleasure? Well, I just, there's so many wild turkey hunters out here. They, they just don't, they just don't get it now, do they? Like everybody talks about having the miss on the bird. I tell you what, I walk into that barn, I yell bang, and I got four birds that drop in front of me. So I don't understand <laughs> what the big hard part is. Right? What's the hard <laughs> about it? What, what, what could possibly be hard about this tiny little thing? So no, with that said, I have, I have chosen for a number of reasons. One being I've got a good source of turkey protein. Um, that's not to say I'm not going to play with turkey and try to translate that as much to help out guys with wild turkey. Um, I've had my chance to pluck wild turkeys. I've had a chance to take them apart, gut them out. I've had a chance to play with uh, the breast, the dark meat, the legs, the thighs. I've had a chance to like play with it all um, because mainly a couple of my friends are like, uh, could you could you do something with this? Because I don't know what to do. And so I've been able to help that out. So I've had authentic chances to to work with wild birds. But at the same time, I've got a good good handle on the domestic side that translates very well over into uh, into the wild side. But uh, yeah, I, I choose to take this season off. Um, it runs right during the school year. Um, 
I push really hard during the deer season. So it's like one of those things like I'm just, I'm still kind of trying to reel back that in, join in with the family, do stuff together. Uh, So yeah, I've chosen to take turkey season off, unfortunately. Um, How'd your deer season go? My deer season went very well. Uh, I, through a series of events, um, it was really delayed. This was the latest that I've been successful in, uh, in the deer woods. I only had the opportunity to harvest a deer with a bow late, uh, late in the archery season. I think it was the last week in October. Um, I went through a bout of kidney stones for the oh, very first time. Oh, that's right. And so I, I felt, I mean, I felt, well, actually I was cutting up a buddy's deer. I felt like I had to take a crap. And so I, I like went to the bathroom, nothing happened, went back down. I was like, dude, I got gas or going, something going on. So I continued to cut, cut, cut. And then I go back up, try to go again, can't do it. And I get back down and man, I'm kind of just hunched over this table. And he's like, dude, are you all right? I'm like, I don't know, but we got to, we got to get this done. And so we end up finished cutting that deer up. We got it packed up and, uh, he left. And then I went in, tried to take some Tylenol and just couldn't get it going. And I ended up going into the hospital that night just like, cause I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I feel like my insides are going to fall out of me. And of course the doc's like, oh yeah, here you go. You got a, you got a kidney stone. And so my buddy was like, dude, I can't, I can't tell you that you're not dedicated because here you are <laughs> trying to pass a stone and cutting my deer. I passed one stone only to get another one or had one up in the kidney and that one got lodged. And oh. so I actually had to go back. I, I went back into the hospital. I'm like, guys, I, I can't, it's just not working. Um, and they took an ultrasound and saw that that sucker was, um, lodged inside whatever the, whatever the tube is between my kidney to my bladder. So they rushed me up to, well, they didn't rush me. Luckily I got to, uh, go home, shower, get a bag of clothes. And they, uh, got up to the, uh, the big city hospital and there I went under for surgery. They went in and, uh, Oh boy. They went in, got it out, put a stint up in me. And I tell you what, like when I woke up out of that thing, I was like, you, first you're going up the wrong way, up a one way. <sighs> and I don't like this. Um, now I have a string hanging out of such area oh, because Lord. now they're yeah, like, I'm Hey, sorry this, I asked. Stint, <laughs> this stint, oh, Hey, you're going to pull it out yourself in about 10 days. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh no, no, no. Well, I tell you what, nope. there's a lot of things you can do, uh, if you put your mind to it, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Oh, we get on to actually the good part of the story. Um, so I finally get out of the hospital and I feel like, Hey, you know what, babe, I just need to go sit in the woods. I need to, something's got to die for what I've gone through right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go out in the woods. And as I'm walking out the door, she goes, Hey, take your son with you. And you know, my, at first, my first reaction was like, dang. But then I was like, no, no, you said you wanted him to come out with you. You guys had a long talk on having, having him join in the experience. And I said, you know what, if I get something, he may have to pull it for me. Cause I don't know what my, where my strength is right now, uh, yeah, to, yeah. Do, to lug something around. Um, you know, granted he's eight years old, but you know, I was like, all right, come with me. So we sexually set up and, uh, in our, uh, my grandfather's sawmill, we sat in the ground, I uh, put a couple seats on, we have, there's like these large boards that really like 
really tuck you in and there's so much grown in brush and it's just a great spot to observe deer. Um, and it's definitely a good spot to ambush one who's feeding mm-hmm. off the field. So luck be, uh, on our side as we're sitting there, we have a group of does come in and I have a small doe who, uh, she just wanders in at 25 and I turn and I kind of look over at, at my boy and he gives, he, we already talked about it. He gives the, the thumbs up to take it or the thumbs down to leave it. And I turned right around and I tell you, he had the thumbs up ready to go. He's like, that thing goes down. <laughs> so sent an arrow in her, uh, nipped in some of the, the gut package there, but got both lungs. She, she ran off and just went into the field edge or excuse me, the, the wood line there. And so when I, we went and got the arrow and we followed the blood a little bit and I put my, uh, put my light up and I saw her eyes. She was, her head was still up. And so I said, Hey bud, we got, we got to back out. And so that was a good lesson for him on patience. Yeah. Uh, really like we know where she's at. She's down. She's not going anywhere. We know exactly where to come back. Um, so that was good too. Cause I also called a couple buddies. I was like, you guys got to ride along. You got to help me drag this thing. <laughs> but we were able to pull her out. Yeah. She was a yearling, but at the same time, I tell you, my son was so excited about it. That was his first uh, experience being able to see a deer go down to go through the whole field, uh, dressing process, uh, to get it back, hang it up. And then he actually ended up, uh, cutting that with me, which was oh, nice. super, super nice. He got, you know, we, first time for him section. Or? yeah i gave him a sharp knife i gave him a rib section and he we learned boning we, we just learned how to just work with that knife you know he he spent maybe 45 minutes doing it and i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna push hard on it mm-hmm. but then he he went away uh went back up to the house but then i you know continued to do more of it he came back a little bit later hey i'm ready to get back in again so it was cool. it was fun to have him initiate that you know i'm, I'm really trying to to teach as I go along and I don't want to overwhelm because that can be something I don't, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to blow them out of the water with too much responsibility yeah. right away. But, uh, then after that, um, I was successful. Actually, this is my first, first firearm, uh, harvest this year. And I had two of them. Uh, I took a forky buck, uh, out of necessity to fill the freezer. He was there and I took him. And then I also had a chance to get a big nanny dough, she had plagued me early on. I tell you, she knew all my spots. She knew what I smelled like. And when she came in Thanksgiving morning, I happened to have the wind in my favor this time. So when she came in at 60 yards, I made sure to put her down. So, yeah, we we are brimmed with venison this year, which awesome. is awesome. Really that, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I just managed a little 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 baby deer this year, basically, <laughs> which I thought was a bigger bigger year but uh yeah stuff looks different in a scope and you don't you're not used to shooting out of a scope very much but um yeah i got that <laughs> and i got everything yeah. holy smokes that's a horse <laughs> yeah it, it, it looked like a medium-sized doe it turned out to be a yearling buck by the time i got to it so <laughs> you go We've figure all been there. We the have thing was all tiny <laughs> let me tell you that sucker's tender so um okay so um you know what i really wanted to get into this this one this this episode was i know like you know, you could, people can listen to you. I'm sure they'll listen to me. They might even listen to an old episode when you were on. And we've always talked about like, uh, you know, some some things you can do that 
with with your meat basically that doesn't ing- include just grinding right i mean you can make grind that's fine if that's what you want to do with all your deer um grind it away right um you we can kind of quickly recap this right but i mean you're of the, you're of the same kind of mindset where you know back straps are good tenderloins are good i mean it's in the name it's tender right but they don't have a lot of flavor right i mean they just they just taste like whatever i mean i was listening to your uh, your your pod your current podcast out, out today um but you know we've said this before like they just it it, it tastes like whatever you season it with right um but for me um i will i will climb i will walk by you know a 10 foot high uh pile of back straps just to get to one shank um that's my 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 heart and soul li- you know, lives in those cuts that uh i guess people still for some reason like oh you know i'm that's just going to be for grind or oh that's just going to be uh, you know we'll, we'll give it to the dog or something like that but you know shoulders shanks anything that has to do with uh any of that that uh, sinewy connective tissue kind of stuff that is terrible for like hot and fast cooking you know i'm all about like the low and slow like three four hour or more braising right and all that that stuff comes out it just melts into this meat butter you know it's just so much flavor um so that's that's kind of a given that i think you and i are probably going to be more excited about that than just you know a cut of backstrap don't get me wrong i like backstrap but i like the other stuff better but recently it's uh, it's one of those things like yeah like the closer and i've heard this in, in the domestic world too um they refer to you know the further that you you get away from the head and the hoof um that is where you're going to end up with your tenderness where there's things that are the most tender and that's where we get like on a beef uh you get the 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 premier steaks right up where the the spine is in the middle and then even so like the tenderloin like you said on the inside but at the same time you gain the tenderness but you then lack the amount of work you lack the effort that that animal then gives and you'll I'm finding more and more people too, when they, they talk about this, um, you get up into that shoulder clod, you know, it may not just be steak, but it might be spare rib. It might even be, uh, you know, I was just talking with Paul Campbell and his thing was the London broil and mm. shank and just these bits, these pieces of the, these meats that get overlooked. You know, when people think of Chuck, they think of ground Chuck. They don't think actually think of the whole shoulder muscle and what it's doing and from all that work all that cellular effort that it's putting in the mitochondria that's building up that deep red color that you get even in a lamb or a domestic cut of meat and that translates even into into venison that animal has to pick its way through and there's so much effort there's so much work in those front shoulders to when you can dissect that when you can let that when yeah like you just said braise it and essentially just through heat and time it just breaks down that that is one essence of that animal that you can that you're really getting a chance to know that animal man you get flavor profile out of that that doesn't even come close to that g word of gamey you know, no. game is when you didn't take care of it right out the get go. Yeah. This is true venison flavor. And to even take that even one step further, like you said, going into the shanks and then trying to use every little little scrap out of that. 
like that just not not just as somebody who's looking to be responsible with their animal, but they're you're going to get an experience that yeah, cream cheese, uh, jalapeno, and backstrap is wonderful, <laughs> but at the same time, your your world's going to get rocked when you have one of those shanks that's just melt in your mouth, velvety goodness. Like you're just going to be slurping it up. It's you're going to have grease all around your face. But that's the moment when you realize, like, okay, I love venison. 100%. Um, I think uh, you said that it has character, right? Um, yeah. Some of these, some of these have character. And you know, here, here's a good analogy. You can, you can, uh, you, you can coin this, put it on a shirt if you want. But think of it this way: if you, if you, um, all those things, all those things that have character are from places like we just talked about that do some work, right? And just like in human beings, right? I mean, you do hard work, you build character, right? So think of it that way. Well, the muscles on any of these animals, I don't care if it's beef, I don't care if it's uh, 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 deer, hog, whatever, right? Um, anything that, that is working that hard is building character and it's building flavor. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the things that make it tough are also the things when cooked properly are also what, what actually releases that, that releases uh, that, that kind of gelatinous, uh, that's a bad word. Gelatinous is a bad word. That's when it cools down. But I don't like, know. I like what, it. What it's, it makes it sound kind of like, you know, like, like wiggly gross. Right. But it's, it's, it's when it, when it melts down, um, like I said, I heard, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, from Giannis Patelos, right. From mediator. I think I've heard, I've heard him refer to it as no, not him. He was the other guy with the mustache. Um, Cal, uh, somebody. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Cal. I've re- I've heard him referred to it as meat butter. I love that. I love I love that term. That's that's just flavor to me. But, um, but so assu- assuming assuming we're past that, and assuming we're past like the jerkies and all that stuff. Now, you've recently started talking more about some more adventurous cuts, some more adventurous preparations, um, on on things that that maybe even I haven't tried, right? I mean, I'm all about heart, for example. I love, I love the heart. It's just another muscle. I love making, uh, it's, it's kind of a tradition. Like if I shoot one, um, either that night or the next or whatever, I'll make, uh, like deer heart, uh, fajitas, right? It's just something I've chosen to do. And it's kind of tradition now that I started to do, but, um, there's other things on there that, you know, like liver, uh, you mentioned kidneys, you know, before we started recording here. I mean, do you want we we can dive into some of these things that uh, maybe you've tried or you've heard preparations of that you want to try, and we can kind of, no pun intended here, we can dissect it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah. just where like you you are started right on the path. Let, let me tell you, it is a path that's not traveled very often uh, by folks. It's a pretty lonely path, but I tell you what. It is so enriching as you go down it. The gateway drug that I, that you now have is is the heart. That's yeah. your first organ. That it it is meat. It is. I mean, it it is flesh that looks like steak and tastes like steak and fries up like steak and makes like yeah, you, like you said, ball out of the park fajitas and tacos and jet. I mean, that's how we do our. Uh, our bow season. So we do a, we call it a, a beer camp um, because we, we never have time to get out to actually hunt deer. Uh, it's the the weekend after Thanksgiving, my friends all get together and we essentially, they, they hand me all their bow season hearts and we, uh, all right, I prep those all out 
get them marinated or, you know, get them butterflied all out, get them marinated. And that's what we consume is, is all the hearts. We just make a whole mess of tacos and just have a great evening um, out at our property. But at the same time, like that gateway, like as I've been able to serve that to them, they, they've gotten to the point now is as they go through their, their gutting process, some of them are getting more adventurous. Some of them are thinking ahead of like, should I, should, do you want me to keep the liver this year? Do you want me to, you know, save, save a couple other pieces or whatever, whatever we're trying to do. And it's been fun for them to get excited about it. But then at the same time, like this is one of those things, like I got really excited for having the podcast is because I want to try, I want to try it first and tell you all about it. And then hopefully that'll give someone direction. That'll give someone the, the, uh, the courage to say, you know what, somebody's done it before and Nick gave it a try and I'm, I'm going to try it this time. So to then break into liver, to break into kidneys, it's, it's scary at first. It brings up a lot of bad memories. If you've had things prepared bad in the past, but to be able to be courageous, go forward and try it again, I think is a good thing. Um, not so much like I, I appreciate what the liver King is trying to do, what he's trying to say. But at the same time, I'm like, kind of like, eh, slow your roll, bud. Um, I think it was those, uh, those growth hormones that was getting in the way. Yeah, uh, a little um, yeah. There's, there's a little more going on than, uh, some, some <laughs> pure, uh, pure wild protein there. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, the message, the, the behind the scenes message message is that these are nutrient rich pieces of meat. If you're looking to build muscle, if you want to you know, hulk up, if you want to have some of the most nutritious food that you've ever found, that's going to be in the liver. That's going to be in the kidneys. That's going to be in those organs. We can see that in nature because if, if ever you've had a deer uh, get scavenged by coyotes before you could find it, what it, it's almost nine times out of 10, the back end is all eaten out. And they sure. have gorged on the inside of that animal. Now they also will get into the flesh that's there on the edge. They'll get to the leg. They'll, de- you know, they'll devour a lot of it. But at the same time, nine times out of ten, you walk up to that carcass and it will be a hollow cavity on the inside. You will not have to field dress that animal because those coyotes or those wolves or those mink or whatever predator they are going for that first. Because it is a time on the clock. They seem to also spoil the quickest, but they are also the most nutrient dense. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's actually true or not, but you, you've always heard the um, stories of like wolves, right? And like the pecking order of like uh, like whatever the alpha is and all that stuff. And that the alpha gets like the liver first, you know, on any kill. I, you know, I, I don't know if that's true or if that's just kind of like old timey, like woodsman tales kind of thing. But um it, it sure would make sense, you know, that that's, that's, that's what they're going for. And, you know, the dominant one would go say, Hey, I'm, I'm getting the pick of the, you know, the, the, the pick of the litter here, basically of, um, uh, first bite, you know, of, of what I'm going to get off this kill, you know, and, and that is the liver. Now, if I, I'm, I'm a fan of liver, I've never had deer liver. I'm a fan of liver. I'm a fan of liver and onions. Um, but that is like, you know, if I, if I go to, I don't know, a restaurant somewhere or a diner, even whatever, and they actually know how to make it right. I'm a fan of that. Right. Um, yeah. people tend to not like it because it gets, it's that irony, uh, flavor to it, you know, Absolutely. 
Um, and I'm just wondering, ha have you have you had deer liver? I mean, is it even more? Is that flavor even more um, elevated? I guess in uh, in that compared to domestic. Um, I I've I've dabbled with uh, a lot of turkey liver. Um, my grandparents uh, would have turkey liver. Um, they, I tell you, they were hardy folks and going through the depression, you, you ate everything, used everything. Um, my grandma was, she wasn't the, she could cook anything, but she couldn't cook anything great. <laughs> <laughs> bless, bless her soul. I'm sure she's looking down at me right now. She's ready to cuff me upside the head. Um, but at the same time, no, nothing went to waste and turkey liver uh well done is is how i was introduced it, it it's done. oh it's, that's it's, that's I, bouncy yeah it's bouncy uh bouncy puck basically right um i i mean you really get a chew but then the same time next to it was was boiled beets because she would use uh the beet water to then she she wove bas baskets and in order to uh, get the red color that she wanted in her reeds. She would then she would boil beets and then she would put the the reeds in the hot beet water and she would get these I mean beautiful crimson red reeds. But then she would then serve you boiled beets. And so it was like I mean tell you what like if it was if it was liver and beef night liver and beet night I was just like it was a tough time at grandma and grandpa's house <laughs> that was that was a, that was a dinner but the so same basically time, the, the basket the basket got the better uh the better part of that and then you got the leftovers from what the basket didn't get essentially like. <laughs> but I tell you what both of them both my grandparents were waste not want not people. They yeah. were, they were very, I don't want to say they were prideful, but they were very proud in the fact that they would use everything. And I think that's, it, it's ingrained into my DNA now. Um, not that I'm going to serve boiled beets to anybody, uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm looking to use every aspect and not let anything go to waste. So then transitioning into venison liver, I've only done venison uh, liver and onions, specifically that dish once and it it worked out very well in the fact that i i went risky and i went with like a medium rare on on the liver there's not a whole lot that's going to hurt you in yeah. that we're not it it's not a sponge it's not a bacterial sponge it does filter things out it does house enzymes but at the same time it's not just holding on to that you don't have this big pocket of bacteria of of infection it, that'll get filtered out into the kidneys and then then out of the body at that point yeah so when you when you're playing with your liver like realize that you're going to cook it like you were you want a steak done you're going to want to go with a medium medium rare now i wouldn't go rare uh you're going to get a, a different texture there but to go with that medium rare, have a little bit of pink on the inside. That's going to be your most enjoyable. Um, I went a half inch thick on those, gave them a sear on both sides, uh, mixed in peppers and onions. I actually went a little bit ahead and added it in, in a, into a cream with it a little bit. So there was just this creamy aspect to it. And it went over well. It did well with my group of friends. Um, but it is one of those dishes that, that does get tired. 
Um, or it's, that's what people fall back on because they're like, oh, if I just cook this and mix it with onions, it's, it's, it's a traditional dish. And, you know, everybody's got like an uncle that, that has screwed it up before. And that's where we get all of our bad, uh, vibes from, from liver that it's just one of those things. Like I just, I just want to eat, but at the same time, there are some redeeming aspects. There are, there are dishes that you can use liver in that really emphasize, that taste of the liver, but at the same time come across super palatable and super delicious. So, so Uh-oh. what would that, what, what would one of them be? Like if you were to elevate, um, you know, li- liver in 2022, what, what, 2022, 2023, good Lord. Yeah. Um, if you were to do that and you were to serve it to, let's say, guests, like how would you do it now? Um, aside from like, again, the liver and onion thing, right? I mean, there's gotta be ways of like maybe incorporating like the liver and the liver flavor into something that's, I don't know, maybe if, even if it's not like a main dish, some sort of like appetizer, um, you know, or, or, or the taste of it somehow, you know, like what, what would you do? Well, I got, I got two preparations here. One is going to get you very excited. Okay. The other one is going to get all of the listeners here very excited. It doesn't take much for me to get excited, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, diving down into Cajun country, they have a sausage that it's called boudin. And it has peppers. It's got uh, got the ground burger. It's got rice as a binder. But then it also incorporates liver into that sausage. What I ended up doing, translating that into a wild game dish, and I actually went with an appetizer that worked out just phenomenal on this. Um, I made the boudin sausage. Now, essentially, what you're going to do is you're going to take your your meat, your peppers, your seasonings, and your liver. You're going to kind of just you know rough chop it. So you just got pieces, or even if it you haven't chopped it yet, it's still on the bone. Uh, let's say you're using a, a piece of shoulder in this. That's gonna that'll be fine because you can then pull that off in a little bit. But you end up stewing this in a pot uh, for for several hours. It's going to look scummy. It's going to kind of have a real pungent flavor, or excuse me, a real pungent smell. You are going to second guess yourself, but hold on, don't give up on it yet. You're then actually going to filter out all the solids. You're going to take those to your cutting board and you're going to give them a rough chop. The rough, the rougher, the chop, the better. Um, do I have it behind? Oh, no, I have it in front of me. I got my uh, trusty meat cleaver right here. The, you know, he's about two and a half pounds. I put that boy to work and all I did was just cut through that to make it a mince basically. So it's already cooked. It's not raw at this point. And I'm just chopping that up into a, a finer mince. All of this is going to then get scooped up, put into a bowl. I'm going to incorporate rice into this. There's a ratio that you can go on it. It's not half. It's not even quarter. I think it's, it might be a third, third of the weight of whatever you've got in cooked rice at this point. You don't want to have the raw rice that, you know, that would absorb too much. But what I'm going to do is um, incorporate that rice, mix that all in. And I've been then reducing the liquids behind it. Even though I'm going through all this chop stuff, I'm going through all this work, all that liquid behind us is going to be really helpful because it's got a lot of gelatin in it. It's got a lot of connective tissue that is broken down in there. That stuff's going to firm up real nice, and we're going to need that in our sausage. So now that I've skimmed it all off, I've kind of let it cool a little bit, 
I'm actually going to ladle uh, the liquid into my sausage mix now, into my solids, and I'm going to just continue to fold that over. I want that to get to the point where it's it's pasty, like a loose paste at this point. You're going to ladle in a lot of that liquid. You're going to feel like this isn't going to absorb it, and then you're going to be like, whoa, it's gone. I need another ladle to this thing. It will continue to absorb all of that liquid, and then it's going to feel really jelloey. It's going to feel loose. You let it cool completely. And then at that point, get yourself uh, one of those uh, those scoops, the ice cream scoops with the uh, the little button that uh, can skim on the backside of it. Yeah. A little melon baller or whatever. Yep. Scoop that. Scoop out. I go with the big one. Um, it's like about the size of a golf ball. Scoop that out and then put that onto a you know piece of parchment. I kind of roll it up, firm it up a little bit. And then put those out just to separate those up. I end up making these into a little ball. And I run those then through the three-step uh, three step to the deep fry. So you hit it with flour. You hit it with egg wash. Then you throw it in panko. And then it goes in the deep fryer. You serve that. I made up. It was like a little burger sauce. It had uh, barbecue sauce, ketchup, mustard, uh, Worcestershire sauce. I actually chopped up some dill pickle in that and just kind of really made this uh, chunky little burger sauce. I took oh, that. Man. I took that to – it wasn't this year's Super Bowl. I took it to last year's Super Bowl, and I walked away with a clean plate. <laughs> These were individuals who – they've been exposed to wild game. They've eaten wild game before. I never said anything about liver. I wasn't going to make a big deal about it. And they cleaned up the whole plate, including the wives. I'm watching them dunk that in that burger sauce and, you know, just polish it off. And I was like, Eureka, we're on to something here where liver is celebrated, where it's not despised. And so it this just is like a boudin stuffing that's not necessarily in a sausage, basically, right, is what we've made here? Yeah, it's just am a I, little, ball, right on that? little deep fried okay. ball. It's, there's no casing yeah. or anything. It's just loose right. sausage at this point. Um oh. But what I like about it too is I like I put them on that parchment and I put them onto my uh, like a cookie sheet. I threw those in the freezer and froze a whole bunch of them. Then I made them about party size. I put twelve into a Ziploc bag, and then I put in like a quarter cup of flour and rolled it around in there. And then those got put into the deep freeze. That flour did two things. Number one, it uh, keeps them from sticking to each other. So when I pull that out, I give the bag a shake, and they're they're loose, ready to go. Number two, if I'm taking it to a party, I only have to have two bowls out there. I only have to have the egg and the panko. I've already done the dusting with the flour. So they're pre-dusted oh, okay. with flour, and then you go through the step you know, with the deep fryer. It just takes, you know, it's just shortcutting yourself. Do the extra work up front, and then you don't yep. have to do it when you're trying to make it. But, man, that is one, that is a recipe that I now, as I get, more liver if i get two deer and i get to keep two liver like i did this year that is a point where i'm like all right we need a batch of boudin that's going to get put away because parties are going to happen and people are going to want an appetizer that's sounds did you um do you have a video on this at all i want to see this made i don't have a video um how did i where did i i want to say i saw somebody put it together for me first um, but Hey, now I have something, let me grab my pencil here. Make Emra a video. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we're gonna we're gonna put yeah, one together. I'll... It's now at the top of my uh, actually make something on YouTube list. I tell you what, YouTube's tough. It's easy to talk here on the podcast. I try to be as descriptive as I can, but yeah. man, when people need a step by step, it's uh, it's difficult. It so, is. as much as I want to say like oh, a dab of this and a, you know a little bit of that, you gotta. I'm not very scientific when it comes to cooking. I just kind of go on the fly. I just wing it, and then I try to make notes at the end. So, nope, I will put that together. Emra, know that Boudin visually and with some sort of write-up is uh, is in the works. Cool. See, uh, all I'm here to do is uh, offer you some new content uh, ideas. So, you know, you're welcome. (laughs) Thanks, Coach. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's it? So then you said you had another one potentially for uh, for liver. I did. You might want to sit down for this one. Okay. So my brother-in-law got into making his own pasta. He's, he's really playing with this Italian stuff. He's a foodie as well. Uh, real on the domestic side. He's a wino loves wine. And I tell you what, he, he does all the, uh, the tastings where they, you know, they swirl the wine and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, some of it, I think I'm like, oh, come on BS. But at the same time, I listen to some of the stuff I say too. And I'm like, oh, hell, that's BS as well. Um, but it's from him learning that talent of, of making pasta and then getting excited about that. I wanted to do a ravioli. I wanted to do a stuffed pasta. And as I was looking at different, like, okay, do I make a, a ragu? That we're going to stuff in here. I came across a liver pate ravioli, oh and boy. I thought, bingo, that's where I want to go with this. This is going to be a pure Michigan dish. Like I just got so excited, and I got obsessed with the idea of what I wanted to do with it. And so, at the end of it, I ended up coming up with an oil and, or excuse me, not an oil, an onion and liver mousse that had cream it had brandy uh it used white onion because i really wanted a little bit of that spice in there and blended that you know you cook that down first with some cream get everything soft hit that into a blender and it comes out to be this mousse it it was uh it was very silky there wasn't any grittiness to it but at the same time, because you put it through that blender, you put it through such a high speed, it was so fluffy. So I made a whole bunch of that at the beginning, and I set that off to chill on the side. We start working on our ravioli, or the uh, the actual casings of it, the, the pasta here. And so essentially it was just uh, a little bit of oil, an egg, and flour. And he cheated. He put it into the, the KitchenAid mixer. He didn't do the the well and then whip it all up. He's like, listen, we're we're good, but we're not that good. We're making pasta here. That should earn us some points anyway. There you go. But anyway, whip that up in there, let it rest for a little bit, and then he went, he's got one of the attachments, the pasta um, presses. So we ran it through that a bunch, and we had one of the molds, which made actually this process go very quick. We laid a sheet down over these molds and just pressed a little bit of a well in there. I come out, and I had a Ziploc bag, nipped a corner, put the uh, mousse into the one of these. And it was like, I was a, like, you know, it was like I was plating all these different plates, like a, like a real real time chef here. I was just yeah. putting, just piping out a little dollop into each one. I tried to keep it as consistent as I could. Then we laid another sheet down on top of it and you run a, a rolling pin 
and the the uh, serrated side or the press sides they all they crimp all up and so all i have to do then is dump out these raviolis onto a sheet again into the freezer to harden those up so that we can preserve them we made probably 60 raviolis that night and um that moose we kept digging into that moose I'm also putting another note that I have to write down what exactly went into that moose so I can replicate this thing again. But those little raviolis, I'm like, all right, where's the next, how do I, how are these going to get served? And I pushed it to spring because I've got a relative who's good at uh, ramps and morels. I thought those have to get incorporated somehow. So I made a brown butter sauce with, uh, with ramps and cut up morel mushrooms tossed in the raviolis and just incorporated that all together and then served that up on a dish and that was just like a springtime extravaganza a onion and liver moose ravioli served with morels and ramps like that just screams pure michigan and that's probably like my big celebration from this past year was making uh making that dish up so taking as simple as something as simple as a little ravioli yeah it's a stuffed pasta it's nothing extravagant but to really just add the touches in there and find a way to use something that again people leave in the gut pile people throw in the trash people do not use it and to bring it up to an elevation that people are like oh my goodness i should only eat six of these raviolis but i'm already looking forward to cleaning up their spouse's plate if they leave it. Like, it sounds really things. rich, but really good. <laughs> You're you know, done. You're full God. after you have. How, how did you come up with that? How did you? How did you think? Was that? Was that like? Um, did you? Did you see that somewhere? Or is that like a, a Nick Otto original? It. Uh, it was inspired. It was a Nick Otto inspired. But I wanted to do. I wanted to do a stuffed pasta mainly because pasta was then in our wheelhouse. I knew somebody who was making it. It was another skill. It was something else that I could tag along, watch, try, shoot. I'll bring him a bottle of wine and he can then show me how to make pasta. That was yeah. kind of where I was at. It was like, all right, I just need someone to show me how to do it. And now it's it's an avenue that I can go after. Um, and so breaking into it and then, yeah, it was like instead of just making spaghetti or making linguine, I was like, all right, nope, we're going to. We're going to really try this out. I really want to swing for the fences. If I miss, I miss. And now I have 60 raviolis that I'm going to try to ingest and just kind of choke down. Or this is going to be out of the park. And so looking through just recipes of ravioli, that's where I came across that liver is is a, a traditional recipe or a traditional filling in raviolis. Some of it's in a ragu. Some of it's in a moose like we created uh in this in this venture here so there was several different ways that i could use it um actually another friend he's uh from alberta canada the uh, the couch cook i uh i presented my idea to him and got a few different um tips and tricks on, on what i wanted to do there because i was going to think about going with a pate i was actually going to go with like a cottage pate where it yeah. was real thick where it would be like I would cut a cube and then put that in there. And he said, ah, I would I would look at the moose. Try doing with a moose something a little bit fluffier. That is going to be a better mouthfeel. That's going to come across better, especially because, you know, granted, I've already cooked it right now. But at the same time, you're only going to put it in the water 
when you get to fresh pasta, man, it only takes minutes. It doesn't That's take very minutes. long. Yeah. yeah. It's not like your dry, you know, Barella. It's like it's in. As soon as that sucker floats, it's out. Pull it. It's ready to go. And so to do that, to actually get a little bit of coaching from him, go with a moose, made a moose, went with the the fresh pasta, things just kind of clicked together. And so it was it was something that it was kind of an ad lib, but I was just kind of pulling from here, pulling from there, kind of flying by the seat of your pants at that point. But it was something that I was, you know, it just worked out really well. And so that's one where I'm like this. If you're going to find a way to use liver, put it into a stuffed pasta. Not because you're going to hide it behind a sauce, but because it's going to shine. You are going to get the benefit of that rich flavor in that little tiny package. That's going to make it sing. Absolutely. I mean, and 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 that's the thing for me too. Is like, um, you know, with from the get go, right? My my thought has been like, okay, um, I'm not going to try if I make something, whether anything wild game, I'm not going to try and uh drown drown out the actual flavor of it behind the flavor of you know soaking it in something else right um it's it's and people either gonna like it or not like it but i'm not gonna uh kind of devalue the worth of you know this this animal that you that you took you know um by hiding what it really is you know what i mean because i think it's kind of like insulting in some ways does that make sense um absolutely Absolutely. You know, it, it doesn't do it disservice. And if, if other people don't like it, that's fine. But I'm not going to sit there and smother it in something else. And then just to hide the flavor of what it is. It's like, no, I mean, you use the word celebrate a lot. Right. So um, it, I, I, I kind of feel that way about it, too. But just as a little like side tangent here. Um, and I think we talked about this. Maybe I talked about it on on your your show. I can't remember. But um, the, the typical, for example, with like squirrel or something like that. Right. Is like, you know, cream of mushroom soup. Right. And drown it in cream and mushroom soup. And there's so many other ways to do squirrel. However, the, I, I'll fully admit there's nothing wrong <laughs> with cream and mushroom soup, crockpot, squirrel. You know what I mean? That in and of itself is like, I love that. I mean, that's, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Shouldn't be ashamed of it. But, um, you know, when we're talking about these other cuts or these other animals or what have you, it's like, no, I want you to actually taste what, you know, non-corn fed uh, farm animals taste like you know, or wild animals rather. Absolutely. When it's not corn fed, when it's not fed on soybeans, when it's not been, you know, basically pampered its whole life, that's where we get flavor. Character. Character, the whole character. character. Our knee-jerk reaction uh, for someone who's not been exposed to that is going to be gamey. It's going to be feral. It's going to be off well, no, duh, it's feral. We went out and harvested it. But at the same time, if you're going in with it excited about the unique flavors, if you're excited to go into a, you know what, if you're excited for a deer that only is in the big woods that has had browse, like be ready for there to be browse in the background of whatever you're eating. Get ready for that to be something interesting and to approach it as something interesting as opposed to it doesn't taste like the rest so it must be bad like you got to get rid of yeah. that aspect and it doesn't if taste you're serving like the rest. To and people, i say good <laughs> yes if you're serving like, to people uh venison who have little experience with venison just like we've done tonight 
amp it up that it's something new, it's something exciting, it's something different, and that's going to be contagious so that when they do have that, like, wow, that that note right there, that was different. That was not that was not beef, that they're excited for that. They realize, hey, I do notice a difference. I do taste a difference. And that's something to be celebrated and excited about, not necessarily like, ew, done pushing away the plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Okay, so um, we've gotten two liver ones. I don't want to keep you on too long tonight, but I want you we, before we start to talk, before we start recording, you you talked about you kind of perked up my ears with another organ, right? Um, and I want you to get into that. And I, I you didn't tell me much about it, and I want you to I want you to kind of d- describe that you said something about kidney, and you said like a kidney. What did you say? Like a kidney hot pocket or something? Yes, a scotch pie or oh, an, an English pie. pie, a hand a hot pie, pocket, scotch pie, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so I, th- yeah, this year again, archery season, half of a good portion of my season was just stolen from me, uh, by by health ailments, and you know me trying to be, I don't know either to to make a story richer or to uh be ironic one of the things that i was then sought after trying to get is i had an excellent shot through the lungs nothing through the paunch that i could recover you know the heart i could recover the liver the next goal was to recover the kidneys mine were inflicted now i feel like i need to do something with another set of kidneys just to, I don't know why it's either to it be enriching or to, I don't know, some sort of homage to my own, but that was where I was going to go with it. And is that like an homage or a vendetta against the universe for giving you kidney stones? <laughs> I, maybe that's what it is. I'm just like, listen, one of the two, <laughs> mine were hurt. Now these ones are going to get consumed that's somehow, right. some way. I'm not into big voodoo, but at the same time, this yeah, it must be vengeance then, because it's more of a feel-good aspect. <laughs> like I personally yeah. feel better by taking these things out. Um, but I did take them out of uh, both the, the forky buck that I got and uh, the big doe, both with the gun. Um, had high shoulder shots on those, dropped those things right where they were at, expired very quickly. And so when I got to them, uh, I mean, watched them both fall, got on top of them right away, was able to begin the field dressing process. Uh, so I was pulling out, I mean, the absolute freshest of fresh and got got those kidneys out. They're they're covered in uh, suet in that real waxy fat. And so they're like the, they're protected in there. Um, so you do kind of kind of have to search for them. Uh, a lot of times as you're pulling everything out, they just kind of go along with everything else. So you have to be um, vigilant as to as to where those things are up. I've never paid attention to where those things are. I'm just trying not to like to poke stuff and burst stuff, you know, in that, in that whole region. Going, going slow, slow is smooth. Smooth becomes fast later on. So as I was pulling these out, keeping an eye on where they were at, uh, pulled those off separately. And, um, I, I went to the, I went to freeze them right away. Uh, knew that they were going to be nutrient packed, knew that they were going to be, um, something that is is not going to last long just sitting in the freezer so i wanted to get them in the back bag and in now this is where i've been like all right unpacking i've got some time what do we need to do with these things and uh 
my lineage is from Scotland. Um, in fact, our our family night our family name is McQueen uh, before Otto was married into the family. So uh, we've got ties back to Scotland, which is super cool. We've got our we've got our tartar or which is our flannel or our pattern, and it's just really neat to to have that connection with the old world. And yeah. one of the things that uh, England and Scotland are known for is is their pies. Pie, both just a, you know, like what we know traditionally as a fruit pie, but then, you know, a mince pie, which is essentially yeah. a, basically a, a pot pie with, um, with burger and, and different things in, inside of that. But then even on which top Which basically of the, comes from like peasant food, right? Because I mean, they had to find ways to basically like zhuzh up what little meat they had. Um, absolutely. And, and then this is what they would, this is kind of like the, uh, uh, like you, you, UK, you know, Scottish, English, whatever kind of old timey version of, uh, Oh God! I mean, it's it's all around the world, right? These kind of like peasant uh, soups, like like ratatouille, you know, would be like say in, in France or you know, I don't know, you name it. Everywhere on the everywhere around the world has a version of trying to take what little meat they have and then kind of make make it last, make it more interesting, um, and make it uh, not susceptible to spoilage too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's this is before burgers and hot dogs. Well, sure. Grant, we're not we're not over there in um in Germany at this point. They were they were also making casings and sausages and different stuff like yeah. that. But at the same time, this was their their hot dogs, their burgers. This was their lunch time that they would take their lunch pails. They would have these hand pies, and that's where these Scotch pies are are uh, are coming from. And it's now uh, again, I'm watching a documentary on Scotland, or no, it was about soccer. Believe it or not, I was watching something because the World Cup was going on at that point. And I was watching uh, some blip about soccer and they were talking about England and Scotland and they talked about these vendors on the outside and they would have these hand pies. They didn't have hamburgers like they did, you know, here in the States or, or, you know, sandwiches weren't a thing at that point. They would actually be these hand pies and they would make their dough with how oh, they, they treat it differently than they normally would. You don't. You don't keep your butter cold. You actually melt your butter and yep. you pour it, uh, pour the butter in and you, ma- you make your dough and this dough becomes very stiff and where they can make a pie, they don't necessarily even use a form, but they can lay out this dough and they make a well inside this that stands up tall so that you have like a, instead of a, a pie that's going to be in this nine inch pan that kind of swoops off the side, you got to put a top on it. These you actually make a cup, and that cup is going to stand two or three inches tall. It's got a bottom to it, and then you fill it with a filling, and then you seal the top onto it, and this thing holds itself together. It goes into the oven, and it comes out, and now this thing, like you can essentially toss it like a ball or like a, like a baseball. You could toss it in the air, and it's going to hold itself as long as you catch it. I mean, it's still going to break if you uh, hit it on the ground, but that – that dough holds that thing together so that you can go to work. You can put it in a lunch pail. You can, you know, know that when you come back to it, it's going to hold itself together until you, you break into it and, and enjoy it. And seeing this and kind of just tying it in with my, with my Scottish lineage, I wanted to do this scotch pie. Um, I got to the point where I wanted to do like a steak and kidney filling. And so to do a, an old world steak and kidney pie, in a scotch style where it's one of these little hand pies is really where I wanted to go. Um, 
a to just be able to serve those up they're you know they're going to look cute i get to try something new as far as uh creating this dough that's going to be really stiff on the outside but at the same time it allows me to use uh something that I, I haven't used before. I haven't had kidney. I haven't used kidney. And this is going to be one of those dishes where, yeah, it's incorporated into a little bit, but at the same time, I'm going to know when I get a bit of kidney in there, I'm going to know what I'm tasting, what I'm eating. And so that's, that's what I'm going for in this dish. So that's the plan. That's what I've got on paper. What I have learned from kidneys is that also goes in with a little bit of work, um, so I've, I've talked to a few butcher friends as well. And when they say, take that kidney and, and you're going to turn it on, it's basically, it's going to look like a kidney bean. And you find where like essentially the, uh, the dip is mm-hmm. go ahead and basically where the, uh, the veins and the vessels and everything were the way that they entered into that kidney score there and kind of butterfly, slightly butterfly that open. And when you butterfly that open, there's going to be a pocket of fat in there that's also going to house more of your vessels that are in there. Make sure you remove that because that, I mean, now we are dealing with a filter. Now we are dealing with something that literally worked urine from the animal. It's going to have that urea flavor to it. It's going to be, it's going to be strong. It's going to be noticeable. So there is going to be a moment where, number one, when it comes to cleaning these out, I got to get that pocket out. And so that was the first thing I've done. When I thaw these out and when I get to actually making the pies, I'm going to have to put it into, you can go a couple couple different ways, and it also works for uh, liver as well. Um, if you're trying to leach out as much of that irony taste or as much of that blood as well, you can go into milk, Um People that's that seems to be an old traditional way people have done that. The the lactose in the um, I believe it's the lactose in the in the milk is what really works out uh, that blood. I usually end up doing a simple solution of salt and water. I just use a, you know, basically a brine. And that does a really good job for me as well. I've done that with my uh my small game, um, as far as trying to get as much of that blood meat cleaned up, you just drop that into a, some cold water with, some, you know, you got some salt dissolved in there and some cold water, let that sit in there. And that's going to leach out a bunch of that blood. And the same thing with that kidney is it's going to leach out that urea. It's going to take that, a lot of that flavor out. So that's going to be something that you want to do, not just with the liver, but do that with, with your kidneys as well. Especially, um, yeah. I'm sure it's not going to hurt you, but it'll definitely be noticeable. So yeah. having that step be as soon as I thaw these out and get and, that and so scoring that right there is basically is where you're making that entrance where it can it can you said the congregation of those vessels are there. That's where it's going to kind of leach in and out of basically or leach out basically. Right. Is, is yeah. And it, because now you've you've opened that up, it's not going to work out just those vessels. It'll work out the um, the pores that are like you've opened that up. That's going to sure. let more of that that out as well. Um, there is a slight membrane. You'll notice when you pull these out that you'll actually take off, you'll take off the fat. Then there's a membrane that you take yeah. off. And then there's an, I think I want to say it's like an even thinner membrane that kind of holds that thing together. You end up just cutting through that and eating that as is. That's not a membrane that you're going to remove, but, but at least by opening up that organ, you've now introduced a way that all of that can flow yep. out or at least diffuse out. Cause we're using diffusion here. We're going from a high concentration, low concentration. That's why, that's why those two elements work so well. Okay, so you got a leached out. 
and then and then what? Then it becomes your filling. And going with a with a steak and and kidney, I'm just gonna have to figure out my ratio and what I want to do. It's gonna be one of those things where I cut up my steak into oh stew size pieces. I want to get a good hearty bite of steak, but at the same time, I'm also walking around with a pie in my hand, so I can't have something super big. So I'm going to be good at cutting those up. I'm thinking something off the blade roast is going to be where I want to go with, whether I go in and I take apart the flat iron steak off yeah. of the blade roast, take off that, uh, that the, the silver skin that runs in between those two steaks. Cause man, that sucker, you want to mm-hmm. talk about making bow backing. You want to talk about making a string. That's the stuff that you, you <laughs> yeah. saw a lot, you know, put that along with the, the Achilles, man, that stuff is thick, yeah. but pull that that out and now i'm left with a perfect piece of meat that's got some work to it i'm gonna get that flavor i'm gonna cube that up um throw that into a pan sear that off i'm gonna probably do the same thing i'm gonna go medium on the the kidneys that i've diced up as well i'm going to throw in some stock in that uh shoot might as well throw a little bit of guinness let's be let's be authentic here <laughs> and uh probably touch it with just a little bit of cornstarch because i am going to want this to thicken up i want that sure. to kind of hold together i want that gravy to stay in there um even after it's you know once it's heated and once it's cooled i want that to be held together so i'm going to get that filling together whatever it takes to make these uh I'm thinking probably, even though they can support themselves outside of a pan, I think I'm going to rock a uh, a muffin tin. I think I am going to put them in little muffin tins just to keep them from falling apart. Again, this will be first time that I'm putting these together. But use those little muffin tins. Put, get my... Uh, oh, get my dough in there. Get my wells made. Drop those in. Seal them up. Get into the oven. I'm thinking just like a normal, uh, probably 400 degrees for, well, it's already cooked on the inside, so I'm not going to go after very long. It'll be kind of like, I'm thinking 30 minutes is, yeah. you know, again, this is ballpark, but I'm thinking 30 minutes, pull those out, let those cool down, and then pop one out and just have that along with a nice stout beer. Uh, shoot, you name any so, any lager with that, and I'll sit down. I think I'm going to watch American football. I'm not a big soccer guy, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> We'll get a chance to uh, enjoy those again. God, that sounds good. And the dough you said is kind of like uh, it, it's it's got butter like mixed into it, so that it kind of hardens up. I mean, is it? Um... Yeah, it's different. Where uh, like a pie dough, they want you to incorporate the butter into the dough itself, right. almost like a puff pastry where. You put a layer of butter and then you get a layer of dough and a layer of butter and a layer of dough. And then you yeah. fold this and then essentially that's what you get to make your little pockets or your little air pockets that are in there make it really flaky. And that's what you're doing with pie dough as well is you're trying to get this flakiness. So you want butter dumb near frozen. You want cold butter to go in and you want to incorporate that. You want to get as much butter around each little bit of flour. So it also mm. looks like grain or like, you know, mealy. And then you work right. it in together and then now you have your pie dough. This, essentially, I think they melt the butter. This is what I've seen so far. They melt the butter. So when they pour that in, there's not going to be the flakiness. It's going right. to be 
dense. It's going to be kind of like gingerbread where as much as this is going to be edible, it's also twofold. It's got to be structural. And so making this dough to be tougher, to, to, to have less air gap and less air space, go with melted butter, mix this all up. That's going to give you the crust that's going to hold together so that you can get the loft. You can get the two inches because yeah, we want to fill this up. We want a lunch in a little pie. I got to carry this around. I want it to be able to hold itself together. So it's definitely going to, I think it's going to be a little bit of a, an inquired taste. There'll be probably those first couple. I'll be like, mm, this is what hard tech must, must take taste like, but, uh, to incorporate a little bit of that filling on the inside, I think that's what makes it, uh, all work together. That's, um, yeah, that all sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go look these, these up now. Cause I'm sure there's, there's multiple ways of making these. Um, just I mean, these hearty you probably there's probably a guy over in england right now rolling over it just he can't stand himself if uh if this guy over there has some pointers go ahead and shoot either emra or myself a phone Absolutely. call or an email let us know what we're doing wrong but uh we're getting close i think we're, we're gonna sniff it out i'm gonna give it a try and if it doesn't work emra my dogs will not care they will also get a taste of uh any mistake that i make i will choke down as much as i can and the beautiful thing about hunting is there's always next year. We'll just try it. Always next year. And, you know, honestly, I, we don't have a dog, but uh, if there's not much that I don't eat, even if it turns out bad. So, so we're in good shape here. It's not going to go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I, if I try and make something and it doesn't, it doesn't quite come out right, you know, for the fam or whatever, I'll take the hit, I'll eat whatever. And then, uh, you know, they, they can go get Chick-fil-A or something. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man. All right, Nick, I've kept John long enough here. So I'm probably gonna have to head out here soon and, um, tuck my daughter in the bed and, and read and all that stuff. But, uh, is anything, anything, oh, we've missed a lot, obviously. Right. I mean, every time I talk to, talk to you, I'm like, dude, you know, we could probably sit around and talk for hours and hours and hours about, about cooking, but, um, maybe, you know, aside, aside from, um, you know, following you right on, uh, on hunt of war and, uh, you know, Instagram and all that stuff. I mean, any other resources that you can recommend to, uh, I don't know the, let's just say even like the beginner, um, home cook that, you know, wants to do something a little bit different than just take their deer to the processor or just grind it all at home. Um, any, any, any resources they can kind of reference maybe YouTube or, or, or other podcasts or anything like that, that they might kind of spark, you know, some, some interest here or get some help. Absolutely. Um, if you're getting into, and I, have referenced this guy, uh, a number of times. I, he's actually, he's over there in, in England. Um, he's the guy that really kind of got me invest or invested into butchering my own animals. He gave me, you know, just, I shouldn't say he gave me, but his channel on YouTube gave me the direction, uh, that I needed to go. Two-legged creatures being, uh, turkeys were, I could do that in my sleep, but then it came to something with four four legs and I was a little bit lost. Um, but if you look up the Scott Reek project on, on YouTube, you will have a world of butchering how to's just, he goes through the whole animal from beginning to end and you name it, it's domestic, it's wild, whatever they've got over there in England. He's 
he's got or he's just shown that and we have been able to absorb that here in the United States. I know there's a lot of guys that follow him here in the States as well, but he takes part Munjack. He takes part Roe Deer. Um, I think I think the man really wants to come over here and get his hands on a white tail. Um, but any of this, yeah, that's neither here nor there, but he, uh, he really does a good, great how-to. Um, even if somebody's got rabbits or if they get done with a small game hunt, he does rabbit, squirrel, he does pigeon, uh, you name it. He's been able to... Uh, show what he does with that. He shows a little bit of the dishes. Guy is super well spoken. That is the Scott Reed Project. That's a that's an episode or that's a, a YouTube channel. Um, and uh, two other guys that I really like on um, on YouTube as well. Chef John from Food Wishes. His voice is just it's so smooth and his humor is so dry that I just love every bit of it. <laughs> you just soak it up. And he does uh, dishes that are are mainly domestic. But if you need a direction on what to do, if you need a direction on where can I take this, that's a great resource. Just watch a couple of those videos, either go into the proteins. Uh, I got I got into making bagels uh, over over Christmas break and that was, I got that from him. So I, I was, I'm getting into a little bit of the baking here. I'm trying to reach out. How can I incorporate now, uh, my protein and my baking together? Like how can I, I kind of put this stuff all just making myself more well-rounded. And yeah. so that was one thing I picked up from him. And then another guy, uh, who's also, he's hilarious, super knowledgeable. His videos are fun to watch. And that's Jesse Weisman or excuse me, Joshua Weisman. Um, just does a great tutorial on whatever you're trying to make. Um, he's got several series somewhere. He tries to, he sends one of his, uh, interns or buddies to the store or excuse me, to a restaurant. He orders on, on the phone and then he's got to go pick it up and then get whatever dish. But at the same time, Josh is now cooking that and he tries to cook it quicker than the guy can go pick it up and bring it back to the studio and then at the same time, also make it better. So there's a fun cool. play that he does with that. Um, he does some like some quick, some quick meals and stuff. But at the same time, he also helps you take things to the next level. My wife is all about lasagna. That's her favorite dish. Is is lasagna? Oh, me too. Yeah. And she's always made it in the household. And not to say that uh, I had to outdo her, but I was like, listen, Valentine's Day is coming up, boys. We're we're trying to do something for mom. She's not a flowers girl. She's not a chocolate lady. We just, we were kind of like, just kind of, I was trying to pick the boys brains. Like, what do you want to do for mom? And it came to the idea of like, Hey, let's, let's cook her something. Let's make her something. And so that's like, all right, how about we do lasagna? That's her favorite. So we did, uh, we did a venison lasagna. We didn't make the pasta this time. We just went with store-bought pasta, but I did make the venison ragu we had three different cheeses that we put in this we layered this sucker up we went on the nines on this thing and uh the biggest compliment i got uh after doing that she she she's eating her her piece she's enjoying it she puts her empty plate uh over by the sink and she looks at me and she goes so you you can make that again and I was, <laughs> as soon as she said that i'm just ah Bingo. Yes, I can make that again for you. So knowing that nice. we've got a lasagna recipe, yeah, courteous of Joshua Wiseman. So yeah, I got to put a shout out to him as well. 
never talked to him, but I'm sure it'll be another shot in the dark where I'll, I'll throw out a DM to him. Let's see if we can't get him on the podcast. So, but yeah, those, uh, those three guys, chef, John, uh, Joshua Weissman and, uh, Scott reproject. Those are three things that folks should check out. Awesome. All right, Nick. Uh, Appreciate you being on tonight, man. I, I, it's uh, I, I've been wanting to get you on since uh, basically the first time we talked. <laughs> it's well, yeah, we've uh, yeah, yeah, letting the listeners in on on this too, man. It's been a battle. We've gone back and forth. I'm always like, hey, yeah. you free? No. Are you free this time? No. no. And it's been back and forth all winter. So I'm glad we finally got this hooked together. But but it's good timing because this is the time of year that basically you know people people got looking at their stuff in the freezer going hmm maybe they might start uh, cooking some of the stuff that's all wrapped up in there so uh, this is yeah, this, this is kind of sausage kinda perfect for that. Yeah. and everything oh, jerky this is meat treat time so if you're absolutely. putting stuff in the freezer absolutely get after it get all your stuff out pick a shoot outside here in Michigan we had freezing rain today as much as people oh, are like oh get outside yeah. no no not today stay inside get all the equipment out make something. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right. Stick with me while I, uh, while I hang up here. So everybody, um, you know, go, go follow Nick on the Hunter Vore, um, sorry, Huntervore, not Huntervore, Huntervore, uh, stumbled over my too much coffee tonight. I started drinking coffee like when we first got on and now I'm just like, tripping over my tongue, but, um, definitely go check, uh, check out Nick and, um, follow some of the other you know you guys got a lot of podcasts on that uh, uh sportsman's empire too you know there's something for everybody basically so you know go check that stuff out uh go check out boning soul um youtube instagram all that stuff uh i keep saying go check out those videos even if you don't want to watch them because the instagram algorithm really screws with you i have i did a nice review i've got like 96 views if i did a picture of me drawing a bow it would have been like a few thousand it's it's unreal it's it's but this is a very very it's crazy it's crazy but uh anyway we're 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 trying to we're trying to we're trying to beat the man we're trying to beat the techie uh uh the the techie uh nazis so uh you know fight the good fight i guess so all right man um i appreciate it everybody thanks for listening and uh i will talk to you next time